This is Billy Campbell, the Foul Hunter with Dr. Duck, and you guys are listening to Big Frig's My Way of Life podcast. You're listening to the Big Frig My Way of Life podcast. Showcasing people living the My Way of Life lifestyle. Brought to you by BigFrig.com. Big Frig! Here is your host, Scott Papik. Hello, my friends. My name is Scott Papik, and today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Billy Campbell and Dr. Duck talked about passion, competition, how to balance family and hunting, and how has technology changed the way they research. Let's start off with your backgrounds, Dennis. I guess the main thing about me is that I enjoy the outdoors. I have ever since I was little. Um, you know, I've you know, had been blessed to have those experiences with my grandfather. You know, my dad, he uh, he worked at a manufacturing plant and worked over, over our time he could. So having a, having a grandfather that was around all the time to teach me the in and outs of the outdoors was i was very blessed to have that and of course i had two other older brother i had an older and a younger brother that uh i also enjoyed that time with and uh so it just over the years you just get experience and you learn you love it and you do it every chance you get you know and as the older you get the more you appreciate it so that's pretty much my background and how i got started in the outdoors mm-hmm. i don't know if that's the main thing about you <laughs> I mean, personally, I mean, I got a couple things I could throw out that might be more main. Uh, I, I too, grew up uh, uh, in the outdoors, um, and I, I really spent a, a lot of time in the outdoors, to be honest with you, a lot of time. And th- There were two reasons for that. One is my mother used to lock us out of the house. Uh, the other is my dad was not very good at hunting, so we'd take off early in the morning, and we'd chase one squirrel till dark. I mean, it was... Yeah, it was uh, a lot of time in outdoors, but uh, we oh, squirrel man, hunted. Squirrel? Oh man, let me tell you, I mean, I mean, and if if you couldn't catch a squirrel, it, my dad believed you you eat what you kill. Uh, you know, I can remember the first thing I ever ate that we harvested was an armadillo. Ooh get boy, you, get you some of that. Well, I, the question I have for you: What were you thinking when you shot the armadillo? Well, I just couldn't imagine trying to shoot an armadillo. That's a, that's a that's a great question that I have been asked. And my dad had a, a new bird dog at the time, and this is my best recollection because I was really young. I lost my father at an early age, but I remember my dad would go out back every day that he was home. He worked typically Monday through Thursday or Friday away from the home, and he would be home Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with us. And when he was home, he had a fishing pole, and he'd sent up, you know, whatever, the rag on the end of the fishing pole, and he trained his own bird dogs. And I'll never forget the first time he carried this bird dog hunting. The only thing he'd chase is armadillos. And my dad wanted to reward that dog, so he shot that armadillo. And then he said, you know, you eat what you shoot. So oh. my mom cooked that armadillo, and uh, I learned a valuable lesson. You eat what you kill, and you don't kill armadillos. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's two lessons. <laughs> but I did. I, I Scott. I I, uh, I did. I guess around the time I was eleven or twelve, I uh, I, I lost my father. And, and to be honest with you, uh, you know, we moved. We had some medical stuff going on. You know, a bunch of it here or there. But the bottom line is, I got away from hunting. And uh, it wasn't until after high school, uh, after I started a family, that a friend of mine introduced me to Dennis. And Dennis. Uh, had probably been pretty involved in, in starting his family too and and he was getting into duck hunting and uh word on the street was he'd tried a few times and run anybody that hang out with him off and 
I guess the guy that was our mutual friend knew that I was probably stupid enough to hang out with him. And that was 20-something years ago, and we're still duck hunting together, chasing chasing them every chance we get. I have been known to cause a few divorces. So, <laughs> you know, when you're at it. No like back, comment. <laughs> back then. <laughs> and, yeah. So I, I've been blessed to have uh, a wife that understands and uh, respects what I do. And, you know, and I, I think – women like that are hard to find and i was blessed to have one and she totally gets it so uh honestly i think she's probably my biggest fan i mean she's she'll call me and ask me how many we got and if i tell her zero and she's like well you're does terrible she, does, she you say, know? does she say how many did you catch yeah how many, how many you ducks catch? you catch how many ducks you catch <laughs> but i mean she'll 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 light into me you know uh so she gets pretty fired up about it you know so i've been blessed on that part of it and i noticed i noticed a lot of guys she met a lot of guys that don't have that mm-hmm. she don't light into you like she used to hey back in the day we'd come back to the truck early on we'd, we were afraid to carry our so you had flip phones maybe back then oh yeah I, I mean i can't even remember when we started exactly what phone we had but uh, a lot of times we'd leave them in the truck especially on a bad weather day and uh get back to the truck and he'd just hold his phone up to me because we'd always have a bet on how many missed calls or voicemails he had and it was always 30 plus missed calls and voicemail box would be full and it would be a tail attack. <laughs> <laughs> she she lightened up a little bit the last few years oh yeah she ain't gonna listen to this podcast is she? i don't know she might yeah don't tell her that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's 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 super important that your your partner they have to be on board. Oh yeah, it just doesn't work if they don't. No. It's honestly to me when she enjoys seeing me have a good time, it makes me go after a little bit harder. And uh, you know, and if it was the other way around, it would you know if I'm out in the woods and or something like that, and if she's upset about something, it's hard for me to have a good time. So it's very important to have that support from your spouse. Uh, to have that relationship to where they support you in that. Even though my wife doesn't hunt, I mean, she turkey hunted first time a couple years ago, but she's not a hunter. She'll tell you she's not a hunter, and but she supports me 100% while I do it. I'm going to jump to a question. Your wife okay. got her first turkey, was it two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. What was that like for you? I'll be honest with you, it was uh, – it was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit nervous because, you know, Amy's never really shot a shotgun. So that made me real nervous on how it was going to do. So uh, that day started out, I'm telling you, we, we get out, we're in West Texas, and I call that first turkey in. I bet you it wasn't 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I had the first one come right in, and she missed it. And and, and I was like, okay. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. I messed up. I said, no, there's more here. We'll call another one in. And we, we – about another 30 40 minutes i call another bird in and um and she she missed it and then the the lip starts quivering you know so i'm like real panic mode now so i'm like i'm telling her i'm saying hey it's okay those things happen hunters do it every day which is the truth you know so but she don't understand that because she you know she's never hunted but uh so it took about two, two and a half hours to call that third one in, and we called it right in. And then she just, I don't know, you could just tell the fire in her eyes, and she just put the hammer down on him and laid him out, and, and she was so excited, and I was more excited for her. And uh, it was a great time. It's something I'll never forget. And uh, But to have it to come together, and, you know, I think that's probably her third time she's ever shot a shotgun to kill a turkey, so it's pretty awesome. 
Tell me about your passion with um, hunting public waters. Because that's where I started out from. Um, you know, a lot of guys don't get to experience the uh, the private land. You know, the guys get to, you know, manage that place and make sure it's going to be good when, when they go and their friends. And uh, Public ground to me is a, it's a, you know, it gets abused every day. There's no rest spot. So to be successful on, on public land, you got to put your homework in. So you got to be motivated, and then you got, and it's the competitive part of it too. Uh, and maybe that's what drives me the most is the competitive part because you got a neighbor over there trying to do the same thing that you're trying to do, and that's kill birds. And so when you got these group of birds that's flying over, well, he's just not going to be quiet over there. He's trying to get the same birds that you're trying to get. And you know the competitive edge of that to me, it just drives me crazy because I'm used to playing football on Friday night in Texas, and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so. You know that competitive edge just comes out in you, and then uh, to uh, do that to me, duck hunting is probably the only really sport that you can really compete against your neighbor. Or you go back to the boat ramp, and you know, uh, just like this past year, you know, a lot of guys still hang around the boat ramp when they get through hunting. First question they're going to ask you: What'd you get, and how many did you get? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so they're trying to do the Tommy Topper thing. They're trying to see if they topped you that day or not. So it feels good to come out of there with your limits and and knowing. The, the worst case scenario is you tied somebody else. So, right. Uh, that's your worst case. So uh, that that's what drives me to public land. And just the camaraderie of that family of public land hunters, too, coming together. And, uh, you know, the the deal we had down in Houston, mm-hmm. uh, to see 90% of those boats out there were duck hunters. And everybody coming together as a family. And, I mean, everybody's asking, hey, are you all right? Are you doing okay? You're talking about you, the hurricane. The yeah. hurricane. And, yeah. and, you know, everybody just coming together and making sure if you need anything, you need gas in your boat. And, you know, so that, that meant, that tells me right there, that's why I like public land hunting because everybody comes together. But, you know, open the day of duck season, though, everybody's on different things. <laughs> <laughs> so so that what makes it that's what makes it fun for me and, and the experience out there. And, and, you know, of course, you know, nothing wrong with private land hunting, but, um, which we've done some, of yeah, yeah, we've done some over of. the years, over the course of the years, we've had opportunities to go with people. We've had opportunities, uh, when budgets work out, you know, both of us have, you know, kids who are raising and, and, and jobs where you, you know, air, like everybody else trying to make things work. So, you got to watch how much you spend. It's it's just it's one thing spending X just to duck hunt in general. It's another thing when you add a piece of private property to that. But but yeah. we have over the course of years in and out been on a piece here or there trying it. And to be honest with you, it's it's just it's been different for us. And we always end up back chasing a more on public. I mean, even we've got friends now that and and like I said, a couple times a year we try and share time with those friends on private, but. Uh, and they share time with us on public. It's just, it's a different animal completely and a different experience. Yeah, you know, you get the the, the saying that goes is you, you know one of the most common questions when you do uh, post a picture or you talk or you show a friend your picture. Uh, you know, you're sitting around in a conversation, hadn't seen in a while, and you show them what you've done. And well, the first question is, you do that on public or private? And you know, if you do it on private, they tell you, hey, that's that's a good shoot. But when you do it on private, I mean public, it's a good hunt. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. So uh, it's 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 real hunting to me. Let's talk about the hunt before the hunt. Let's talk about the research. Okay, that's that's why we call him the doctor. 
<laughs> Listen, well, so no, I'm, seriously. I mean, before you start yeah. talking, because it ain't because he's a smart dude. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, trust me. That, not that. Uh, well, but, but the research and homework that 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 he puts in to find birds is is. Uh, and you know what's super cool is you see it a lot more in a lot of these young guys now. There's a yeah. lot of fire and a lot of bellies right now. To you know, we got to find them, and uh, that that's. That's what's been a big contribution to our successes on public is is Dennis's ability to to find birds. Uh, you know, we went when we started some of the projects we were working on. You know that that it's been a conversation that started now more than five years ago. It was a result of obviously a big contribution of of social media and people seeing what's going on and you being able to share successes as well as failures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's what what you're doing with your hobbies and your pastimes through social media but uh you know we had probably we had a couple years there where we were just we were hammered down uh and and i can you know a lot of that should be attributed to the to the work that he did i worked full time uh worked a lot so you know and dennis dennis really enjoys finding those birds not that i didn't scout when when i was off but you know he could he could squeeze a day here and go get that done and he could find them he can find them and i I think that makes a big difference in your (coughs) result at the end of the day it's still on public land it still don't guarantee you the next day because i've scouted some hoes before and think we're gonna limit out in no time and then we didn't have a duck show up and then i got this guy to the right of me saying you sure you saw ducks here? And you're I'm like, fired. You're fired. <laughs> you're fired. And that's happened to us numerous of times, and that's why I appreciate and respect public land so much is because that's sometimes that still happens even though you put your homework in and, and uh, you, you you travel and you you go get out and you walk for miles or whatever it takes to find them, you know, and it's, and then you work so hard and then, boom, the next day it's a bust. But you gotta you got to think about, too, and it's something that – and we don't know this – you know, we don't have a direct hotline to any ducks on the inside that are sharing information. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's no. But with that said, you got to think about if no you're, you're scouting, you're finding the X, right, on a Wednesday. Uh, the number I could tell you, for example, one of the hottest lakes last year for us in the East Texas area, which really didn't start till the last two and a half weeks of the year. On Monday, when you hunt that lake, you may see two other boats. If you hunt that lake on Friday, that number is going to, I think, in, at this specific lake, that number was 15 to 20. Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be a number you can't count because they stacked up out the deal. The so parking lot's full. This is something you got to think about is when you're finding these birds early in the week, there aren't a lot of hunters shooting Mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of boats running them around so these ducks may be hitting this x spot right well all of a sudden let's say you're hunting it thursday or friday and something between their roost and this x is going on maybe it's traffic maybe it's another hunter and a decoy spread that's pulling them off maybe it's shooting close to you on public land all of a sudden x may become y or z you know so there are a lot of other things like that 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 happen that, that you learn over the course of years uh and you kind of plan for you know if you will yeah to be that success to put that homework in it, your odds increase naturally and and like you said there's a lot of variables that can happen that um 
cuts that in half. I mean, your neighbor next to you shoots a fly by teal. You're working in the 20, 30, 40 milers at a time, or maybe just five or six, but you don't, compared to what you see in the hole, you know, that can make it break you too. Is your neighbor, you know, the, the shotgun blast. That's another thing is people don't consider when they scouting birds is, is, you know, I, you know, if I see 500 birds in the hole, well, I can already mark it down to 250 because I'm going to lose 250 of them to my neighbors because somebody's going to pull the trigger while we're working on trying to shoot their bird and it's going to flare ours out of there. So uh, then you mark another scratch off because somebody's going to be moving, the dog's going to be out. So you just kind of whittle it down and you figure out how many guys you got in there. And if you got a five man limit, uh, you know, you know what you got to do to get that five man limit. So. Uh, you know, always consider how many guys we got. I might find a group of birds, but it might not be enough birds that we can hunt because I got too many guys. Mm-hmm. So I try to find a bigger wad of them. So, and the main thing on scouting too is a lot of guys over the years, and I think it's getting a little better, is that they just get normal going to the same old spot routine. It's just a routine. They're gonna go. That's their whole. They're gonna hunt it day one to the last day, and and you know you just and their success rate just goes down. So. You, the birds are going to adjust they're going to move and you're going to have to move with them uh and you know the, the lake that he was talking about we hunted we probably hunted that, we ain't hunted that lake in what i was thinking it'd been four or five years four right? or five years but we always go back and we check those spots and we just you know we might just run it a couple of times throughout the year just to see if they're there or not and if they're not there then we go somewhere else but that was one of the years that they showed back up and we started hunting it again and it might not be another four or five years before we hunt that lake again right. so you just got to be able to move and be successful on scouting and knowing where the ducks want to be that's the thing is trying to figure out where they're going to be uh just don't fall in the routine of just going to the same spot every day what does a research day look like for you well i think the main thing is is on the type of hunting that they enjoy you know you got field hunters timber hunters and then, of course, in Texas, you don't have a choice much unless the rivers get out. You know, we hunt the lakes, which is open water. So, basically, you would have to break those down into three categories to where you're going to be. And your scouting is different in all three. So, uh, you know, rivers, I like to, I, what I like to look at, and the main thing is I like to catch the river on the rise, not on the fall. Uh, so, I, that's the thing I look at the most. Um, and then, of course, the location, you know, you know, every year is different on public land. You could have dry seasons, wet seasons, whatever. Water levels change, so the habitat changes. But I know ducks are used to coming in that certain area, that location. So they may not, they might not be on the lake that we hunted last year or the year before. But I know if the the lake's a certain level, certain temperature, certain habitat, then they might be there. So we, that's the thing we always go back and check. So those are just things, years of experience that you have to look for to be successful and field hunting to me is uh i mean it's just you know they used this field before last year so that's probably the first field you're going to go to well if they're not there then you're going to go check a mile down the road see if they're at that field so because you know the the pond that they were using the water in before they go to the field it might have dried up well they might be using another pond down the road that they're watering in it's a closer fight to that field but that area and that location will probably always be used and that's what we usually go by hmm do you take notes then? Is that how we, you keep track of everything? To, we used to not only take notes on that, but we used to keep a. I used I used to keep an Excel spreadsheet of, you know, everything from temperature of the day, the pressure, humidity, you know, number of ducks we killed, species types, what time we shot them. I mean, I kept up with that for for several years, and and to be honest with you, we just we've gotten away from it. 
and I don't know if maybe the years of experience as far as the scouting stuff goes, you just kind of know. And now yeah. I'm not going to say that we haven't had some things slip. Uh, so we do keep some notes on our phones about hot spots. Now I know. think they have apps for it. I was actually yeah. I was going to ask you like how is technology helped with your research? Is well, there anything? Is there an app or anything well, that you? Yeah, one of my buddies uh, uh, that from my hometown. If you're a young hunter and you want to start doing that and kind of keeping th- up things to to where you want to start having to look back and reflect on to help you build waterfowl, it's, it's a Skybusters app. Uh, I think he's done a great job of getting all that stuff down and uh, it's for younger guys uh you can mark the location you can, it, once you mark that location it automatically downloads what weather was there if it was freezing raining or whatever so it that's a good app that you know i think young guys can use uh, I, I personally don't like providing my information on anyone else's platform <laughs> that's just me because so, there is a back door to the app I'm not to every app. So oh, yeah. just not, FYI. not that I don't like you, because I really do, and I I think this relationship is off to a great start. But I'm not going to give you my spots, and not that any of these apps share that information. Right. But you know how many horror stories you heard about? You know, Google got or Yahoo got hacked a couple years ago, and all this information was taken. Well, you, Facebook just you know got what? nailed for it. You could, yeah. So hey. You could take, you could steal my debit card number, credit card account, whatever you want, but you ain't getting my dug holes. <laughs> I got, so, you know, I, I do. We both own GPSs. In fact, I think my GPS may be one of the only, one of the first ever made. It is an absolute just dinosaur. A, it's a dinosaur. It's a rock. It works. But it, it works. works, and it's got all these spots still marked in it. Yes. So a lot of times when we're struggling throughout the year, I'll go back through there. And I'll check that, and then I'll check some notes that I have. And, and, yeah, so that does help. I think, personally, the biggest factor with technology uh, is the combination of, of Google Earth and the smartphone. Uh, you know, we got to using some, you know, I think on X is pretty savvy. And there's a couple more I've read about. I've not used them. Uh, I think maybe the Hunt Wild or, you know, there's a, there's a couple of them out there, and, and there's some positives on all of them. But... I think the end of the day, the bottom line, the cheapest thing, everybody carries smartphones now, and you get accustomed to knowing what water levels are during particular time of year in these areas, and you can utilize Google Earth to really find some, you know, find a lot of spots that we didn't weren't able to come across 10 years ago. Yeah. And the main thing, too, is don't get lazy, you know. You might not get your boat there, but you got two legs. You can get out and walk. There's always new beaver ponds that pop up. There's always new holes that's kind of created, maybe by through flood and washed up stuff. Might you just never know, and you, you, we'd be surprised how many holes we found just by walking. Right. Uh, so, and then riding off the river, just little sloughs off the river, it makes a big difference. So, uh, just don't get. My main thing is, and what the best advice I can give anybody, just don't get trapped in doing the same old thing every day. Think about get outside the box go and you know after you get through hunting especially if you're on the road uh, you don't have anything to do anyways in the afternoon so just keep looking you might find something better so that's my best advice. yeah we i couldn't tell you how many times we've set up and not had a great day but saw you know i don't know how many hunter land over that tree line somewhere 
you know, we, we're going to go find that spot, you know. So it's just paying attention, not just being locked into where you're at today, but paying attention on which way these birds are headed. And you, you may be familiar enough with the area to know this river runs this way or that over there is this body of water, and we need to go over that direction and check right. it out, you know. And I agree. If everybody's using the same technology, no one's going out and exploring more. And yeah. obviously what you've put in the time and the work and you do go out. But, yeah, you find gems. Oh, yeah. You can't – those gems aren't on any app or anything. No. It's just by – and I actually – And if they are, I didn't put them there. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually – some I enjoyed the hunt before the hunt a lot. I, yeah. I, to me, that's, that's competitive and that gets the blood going. Oh, yeah, for know? sure. So what do you hear out there about public water – hunting that drives you nuts i guess the biggest complaint you got is bad neighbors uh and we we get that question a lot and uh that's probably the nightmare of the of the day of i guess because you got some guys that kind of like us we you know depends what the rules are but you know you're getting there early as you can whatever the rules allow that to be uh and you do a good job of holding that hole if you're allowed to go and sit in it and then you got uh a guy that just shows up right before shooting time probably didn't put any effort in it uh maybe going off what his buddy information gave him and he's trying to get close as he can to you uh that's probably the the nightmare of public land hunting that's probably every duck hunter's nightmare right there and you know and me and billy what we try to do is we try to uh be respectful uh we try not to do that number one number well number one we're usually already got our spot but for the guys i understand it that's a little late to the game for whatever reason just if you do show up late always be respectful set up you know a far away enough distance that you're not going to disrupt somebody else's hunting be a good neighbor uh allow those guys to work those birds in maybe they get their limit early enough maybe you can slide they'll get out and then let you slide in uh, a lot of times we try to invite those guys if we got enough room if we're not just limited out with guys and if it's just me and him one other guy and there's just two of those guys and we're like hey just come on and join us we'll hunt together i think things like that uh will make uh public land more enjoyable uh but if that's probably the biggest nightmare is well, having, having a guy like that on you and i, I yeah, you're you're right he's right on and but i i might add to that that just like and it's not just hunting uh you know so one of the big things that's coming to east texas area finally that i'm really excited about we've got two local breweries i like to enjoy a craft beer once in a while <laughs> i like to enjoy any kind of beer once in a while right but uh you know my son is stationed uh in the fort lewis washington area and traveling to washington they've got several districts there that are just all these breweries with unique foods and unique beers that they create and it, it it's not just about the beer and the food it's about these communities that they cultivate, right? East Texas, we just, you know, East Texas Brewing and True Vine Brewing are two outstanding new breweries in the East Texas area the last few years. I think one of them just had their fourth or fifth year anniversary. Uh, the Dixon family, great people. And they've created these communities. And uh, I was certified and coached in CrossFit and had a couple gyms in the East Texas area. And it wasn't, it obviously it's about the workout. You know, right. people want to get, be in shape we need to be in shape come duck season but they build these communities and i think it's the same thing with hunting it's about the community and you know i'm thankful for the opportunity to be on you guys podcast got to share this time with you as you're well aware we've started a podcast and and that's kind of why we started 
it's to you know we haven't seen a great avenue for this public land hunting community to come together and so we just open up on instagram live and it's it's not huge the response we've got from it uh in private messenger people getting on the podcast i think it's pretty big the instagram live part hadn't grown tremendously yet but you know we've got people participating on a consistent basis and that's all we're doing we're trying i think there's a great opportunity if you do have a guy that shows up and ain't acting right over there i think it's the community's responsibility i heard i listened to a podcast on the way up here on this drive and they talked about this very specific thing and their solution to some of this was to add more government regulations into hunting and you know personally i just believe that anytime you take any situation and add more government regulations it just creates a bigger problem that's just me and i know a lot of people have different opinions on that but i think it's our responsibility especially as experienced outdoors you're out in the field doing it yeah Yeah, you live it you breathe it you know it let's talk about right and i had a boss i worked for 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 30 years in our market and he always used to talk about not so much the end goal but the journey and that's something that stuck with me that dennis and i talk about let me we don't really talk about that much we just do it mm-hmm. it is like you said the hunt before the hunt it's the hunt it's hunting the beer after the hunt it's cleaning <laughs> and cooking. Well, actually it's my favorite part to be honest with you i, I mean far as you know the scouting part is probably my favorite part yeah. of the duck hunt because yeah. there's nothing like it when you find them and you see them coming in they're sinking into that hole and it's like right. oh my gosh and that old heart just starts beating yeah. and you can feel it hit the hit against right. your chest and but it's all part of the journey right now whichever part is your favorite if, and and i agree i know i know he loves to scout and and you know they they always they dog me a lot because i'll have these in my face shots that i don't take all the time and I keep telling us because I can make that shot way over there, and I don't need bird. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, bird it, It's that moment. That that moment is so spectacular for me. It's not necessarily shooting that bird, and I, I'm I'm going to shoot at some point. But you know, if I could if I could talk him in another two or three foot, you know, that experience it, it's all part of the journey. Yeah, and and that's a cool sense. moment. But when you take you take the scouting, you take the shooting, you take the take a take a toddy afterwards, you clean the meat, you. You're cooking that meat. You provide that meat on the table for your family. This is all part of the journey. And I think a lot of people get tied up sometimes in this specific moment. And, you know, a lot of say, well, is that a result of social media? Is that a result of the millennials? Is that, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But I know anyone that's overlooking the value and the experience and the enjoyment that you can gain from the entire journey is you know if if they're missing that they're missing a whole bunch of stuff so that podcast that we're doing we're just asking people hey just jump into conversation with us you know let's just we can talk about this stuff and you know maybe it's only 40 or 50 people today maybe it's you know i know one day we had three thousand at the end of the day that had come in and out in this conversation that to us is outstanding you know maybe they start this conversation with other people and who knows what this community of public land hunters can become yeah the last thing we need is more regulations uh for Ooh, us man what you, you talking about? it's hard enough to keep up with yeah it, you know because hey, how, how many how many pintail can you shoot this year i mean last year was two no it was one i know and but the year before that it was two, two. and, they and that's one. just a small part of it yeah. but you know either way yeah but no i think that's enjoy the journey enjoy the journey respect your neighbor and I think a lot of it would be solved on that issue. Social media, I mean, it's kind of a highlight reel. 
pretty much from anyone. Absolutely, yeah. And what I like about you guys, you're very authentic, and you know, you you don't have perfect days. You probably have a lot of bad days. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have no idea. But for the, per- <laughs> I guess for the you know the person out there that would be listening to this or or follow you and say, well, if I had all this time on my hands, I could go do all this too. But I don't think people know how hard you're working. I yeah. think I don't think they understand when you say I do the scouting. But you both have families, mm-hmm. and I, you're still work quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but when you're not working, you're not taking care of your family. It's not like you're sitting on the couch watching TV. No, the, the cool thing about Dennis's job is, you know, he's got he's got good people that that he's put to work with him doing what he does. You you take ownership and accountability for that and you handle that so yeah he's got the freedom in his schedule but he's created that dude when we first started hunting together he worked for this guy named lester out of white house oh yeah god bless him and <laughs> love uh, him to death he was, he was a, hard he was a hard. wonderful wonderful man yeah. and uh he did a great job for his clients it was the ac business dennis was learning to i guess you gotta be like an apprentice for, yeah, so, long, for so long essentially yeah. before you can go get your license and yeah. He didn't have no free time, you know. So you you just create those opportunities without rocking the relationship at home, you know. Uh, obviously, family is a priority for both of us. Dennis still coaches his kids baseball, and you know you just you got to get it where you can get it and go find them. You know, you got to make it work, and and that's the cool thing about him, uh, about us. Really, we've been so passionate about it. We were able to get these things done, and and still 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 go find them and and maybe you don't hunt this weekend yeah you know there haven't been weeks every week during the season that you can get out and look for them so maybe we you know maybe saturday for us is going to be a day trying to find them which is really hard when a lot of people are out hunting you don't want to disrupt so you're going to start a little later in the day and like i was talking about earlier those birds may be disrupted in other places but maybe we find a hole they feel safe in now that we can go hit it another time so I think a lot of young guys, I'm going to give them some advice. Pick your poison. If it's duck hunting, do just duck hunt. You can't duck hunt, and then when duck season's over, start your fishing, and then your golfing, and then other whatever else you decide you think you're going to do. I think it helps if you're, if you're a family man, you're married, and you got kids. You pick that one thing, you ride it to the end. And, you know, I think your wife, or I know my wife, has appreciated the fact that only thing she has to worry about for me is duck hunting i don't you know now duck season's over i'm on the road a little bit now but i'm older but when i was younger i didn't golf i didn't go fishing i didn't do those other things so it just it opened up the door for when duck season got there it allowed me to do that and that's i think that's one reason why she allowed me to do that is because i didn't take advantage all the time on every little thing right and and don't people discredit it's been 20 plus years yes i mean it's not like you're running a business now and it just happened yesterday. Yes. I mean, it's 20 plus years yes. and fight, yes. like you said, picture poison and you know, you just, yeah. you, you just stuck with that passion, but it wasn't like you blew your whole day off and you were out. I mean, you were, had to provide yeah. for your family. You had to spend time with your family, you know, and then you get everybody yeah. to bed. Yeah. And like you said, then it's like research or, <laughs> yeah. or figuring out where to go or what to do. Exactly. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't have anyone take us under their wing per se and say this is how you duck hunt you know when i said earlier that dennis said he wanted to learn to do this he and i learned and you know the first few years it was us just showing up to a or b hole 
and sitting and waiting to see what would happen. It it took a long time for us to figure out that doesn't get it done. And you know, we got beat a lot early on and and you know, we I couldn't tell you how many different boat schemes we've put together paddles or walks in or you know how many different situations we tried to find what was the the magic for us you know what what made it happen for us i mean it took a long time for us to get things going you know and and like you nailed it i mean we're 20 something years down the road and and we've still got a lot to learn and uh but but we've got the experience to go along with it good or bad the way you look at it you didn't have a mentor or you weren't you didn't go to school for it, so there are no rules. Your mm. rules are the ones that you've hard knocks that you've learned and you've done, and that your rules might not apply to someone else. But what I really appreciate about both of you is that you're willing to share, except for your spots. Yeah. <laughs> but you're willing to share with the people that do. You know, you're answering questions all the time, and the podcast is fantastic for you guys. And the thing is, two I guess two things is. Uh, don't be scared to make mistakes because duck hunting is a very hard sport, especially on public land. You know, it's, 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 to me, it's harder than baseball. Baseball is a very difficult sport. So, you know, if you get one or two ducks out of every ten, you've done great. Don't get caught up in the numbers. That's the second thing. Don't worry about getting limits. Just try to be a better duck hunter and don't be scared. If you make a mistake, guess what? You got another day or you got another year and you got the next year. So the only way you're going to learn is to get out there and just do it. And that's how we've done it. One of my favorite sayings is oh, an old mentor of mine, hit singles. That's but right. Is it for a baseball. Just go out and hit singles. So, and you do that in, in duck Three hunting? out of ten times? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got, you know, if you do, and eventually you get your limit. You know, you start going for doubles and triples and you try to get the whole wad in. Sometimes it just don't work out right. for you. But whiff, swing, <laughs> swing and a whiff, right? Yeah. So, so you know that's that's the way you know you have to approach duck hunting is you know take one duck at a time, work that duck the best you can. Don't worry about overcalling and undercalling. Duck's gonna let you know, and you and from that duck, if you overcall, he leaves with the next duck. You try to work in a little softer. You just that's the way you learn, and you learn the corners, and you learn when to call and when not to call, and and once you start playing around. And doing that, then you'll learn. And and the thing is, is don't worry about making mistakes because that's the number one question. Well, how do I call this or how do I call that? Well, if I'm not there with you, it's hard for right. me to know that situation. So the best thing is, is just if, you know, sometimes we go hunting and the ducks, they won't, we, we call and we let up. Guess what? They pick up and leave. Well, the next group, we're like, okay, we're going to stay on them this time and see well, if we how far down we can get them. So if we stay on them, they sit on the water, then we know, hey, we're going to have to talk them all the way in. And then right. the next day, it might be like, as soon as they hear a duck call, they might be gone. So you just have to go to a jerk string and maybe just do a little feed just call. Tap you know? on it. Just yeah. So in. every situation and every duck hunt is different. So don't be scared to make mistakes. All right. I'm going to go through some quick questions, and we'll start to wrap this up. Okay. Uh, these will be for both of you guys. What unexpensive item tool for duck hunting that you you still you count on? Jerk rig. <laughs> Jerk string. All right. I mean, and you can make it yourself if you just, you know, you could tie a string with a bungee cord to a tree if you need to. Or it's uh, $25 or yeah. less. Jerk rig is we always carry it, and it's probably the cheapest thing we carry. Yeah. What's your favorite sound? Mallard hen. Huh? He said the favorite sound was mallard. That's mine. You oh. can't take mine. <laughs> I answered it first. No, but I, like, posted that just a while back. You cheated. <laughs> oh, 
I love no, to hear he looked, Susie. No, no, he looked at my answer. <laughs> I love to hear Susie sing. So Especially before shooting light. Yes. You got a bunch of them on the roost over there, and she hollers, and it's, you know, you're not hunting yet. You're still sitting up, but I, I will. I, I dig in my bag, and I find my call, and everybody else, come on, you got to help. Hold on. Well, I'll hit it. She'll holler back. You holler back. You get hollering at each other, and, you know, it, it was, I, you know, it's it was the beginning of our first video that we did, but it's... It's just something we do all the time. It's a fun part of that journey for us. But and, and hearing whistling wings is probably right there with it too. That early, that sun yeah. before the sun comes oh, up, yeah. and you can hear them fly over your head. Yeah, I, I, that's probably one of my favorites as well. What are you terrible at? Oh, hold on. Uh, do I get to answer this for him about him? Or you, you guys you? could actually. This would be great. Hey, hey, I think you should answer for each other and then answer what you think you're terrible at. I, I, I'll answer for me. I, I, mine is I get a, l- a little impatient, and and I try to work on that every year. But patience it, to me is probably something I need to continue to work on. And uh, and you know and my deal is is that you know I'm looking down the road because once those ducks flare out, he'll he'll be the first to tell you. I'm looking around to see what's wrong, and because you know when ducks are flying over, they're not looking to see what's right. They're not decoys won't flare de- de- ducks. So. So I'm looking down there to see what's wrong, and I got some guy sticking his face up or something like that. So I'm real bad about not being patient enough to be be nice, and I'm you know I'm real critical. So that's that's probably mine. Man, I don't I don't know if I got one. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Communication. That, okay. So in that in that spot, he'll he'll he is impatient, and I'll know because we've hunted together twenty some years. But he'll get to moving around and shuffling, so. I know he's seen something and he's wanting me to communicate it. Oh, that's that one where he, he yeah. you should know what his mind's what, yeah. you should be reading his mind. I'm gonna I get to hear about it and get back to the truck, but you know, he's a super nice guy and it's sometimes when you're with new guys and you maybe you got that one guy who's standing with the sun directly on his face and he's standing in front of the cover, not in the shade, you know, and we, you try to look for that stuff, but you know you want to get the decoys right. You got birds working. You're trying to tuck in. All of a sudden, they they just lift straight up, and you know you can see you'll see his head poke out down there. Around the corner. He just <laughs> and and what's really funny is I've been doing this the longest with him, but I'm the first guy he looks at. He looking at me. Hey, and he don't want to say it to nobody else. He's too nice. So hey, were you hit? Yeah, man. Come on, man. Yeah, that's what hey, I do. Be, Billy, are you hit? Was you looking up? I'm like, I'm calling him out. Like, Billy, was you looking up? Kind of letting him know, hey, I'm, you know, oh, he's calling. He's asking Billy if he's looking up. I bet I was looking up. So maybe the next time they lie to come on their head, I need to look down or something. Right. You know? So that's the way I try to do it. So, And and to be honest, in all honesty on my end, I'm, I'm not, I can't see very well. And I refuse to wear glasses. Oh, that is it right there. Yeah, just so it. there's a lot of times that, you know, yeah, I, I, may, I may take a bad shot. I may make a miraculous shot. But the biggest really fault with me is a lot of times I don't even take the shot. I will. He he gets really – you thought about that impatience showing up. I And I will. I'll have a shot. But if I got four guys to the left of me – and I, I've set, I can sit this bird, and he just. A lot of times, these ducks will work right to the call, and and you know, you can't I'll, shoot the duck because he's in between the duck and and me, and I'm just like furious, you know. And I right. got him about to sit down, and finally, duck rolls out, and I never take the shot. Why didn't you shoot? And I'm like, well, oh, I'm not one more. Hold I'm on. not. I'm not going to shoot that duck, 
I'm the only guy that had that shot. He gets mad about that. But for me, it's not that shot. You know, it was that moment. And I, I'm having a blast, but I'm getting my tail chewed down here because one got out. <laughs> and then, hey, on a cloudy day, two ducks roll in, Drake and a hen. You can just bet he's going to shoot the hen because he can't tell the difference between the Drake <laughs> or the hen. Then he gets he gets yelled at again. And I'm like, I just don't understand it. But on a cloudy day, he can't. He can't Scott, just, I'm that old dog he beats on all the time. Oh, no. <laughs> I, he's colored blind. What do you want your legacy to be? I I I would want to be remembered as a great duck hunter, but like Billy said, us together, uh, bringing everybody in as a community as duck hunters, and we'll look at each other as more of a brotherhood instead of, uh, you know outcast on some guys and and the reason i say that is a lot of older guys like me that's been around a while that knows how to do it or or kind of knows how to do it however you want to put that but accept the younger guys that's still learning Mm -hmm. realize they're going to make mistakes overlook it be patient with those guys and and uh so our goal is, is is to bring those communities together as be a big brotherhood and that's what i want to be remembered as is the guy that maybe opened that door up for the everybody, and uh, and hopefully that continues to happen. That's us, and and not be so secretive as much, mm-hmm. you know. Kind of open your arms up and let these younger guys have an opportunity to uh, to get out there and enjoy what we've enjoyed for years. You know, you know, everybody talks about passing it on, but are you really passing it on? Right. You know, be true to that. You know, just not only to your own kids. Open your arms and eyes up to every youngster out there that's trying to do it, and that's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so, and to and we want to be remembered to the guys that's giving back, and that's what we started here with Big Frig, and is giving back to those guys, and 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 open the doors up to so maybe see other guys that are bigger names than us or whatever says, hey, these guys are doing it. They have the a lot better availability than us to start giving more back as well and then everybody does that and it's just just make it a better life for everybody do you guys have any last mentions do you want to you want to send people to your uh instagram accounts or whatever you want to say here well again i I like to thank big freak for giving us the opportunity to give back because that was a big deal for me and him if we ever got that door to open up and had that opportunity to to give back and that's the first steps that we wanted to take and uh I just can't thank you guys enough for allowing that to happen. And hopefully this thing grows. Even if we only sell five coolers this year, maybe somebody else just picks it up, runs, gets the football and runs with it and does a better job than we do. That's the only thing is we want to motivate other people to do better things in life. And so, and it starts with the guys like y'all. And I just appreciate y'all giving us that opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, we get a lot of communication back and forth on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting. Uh, and it, but it's also kind of uh, interesting to see, even though people may follow us on Instagram, that they they haven't seen the videos, you know, or uh, and a lot of people that are new to duck hunting that just stumble across us through hashtags or whatever on social media that aren't familiar with some of what we've done. We've we've got not only with Big Frig and you guys this relationship, but we've got some outstanding relationships that we've formed with with <clears throat> I'm sorry with people we've worked in the industry with including pro drive real tree drake waterfowl you know these guys uh hero decoys they you know we're we're excited to do some super cool stuff with them this year so i would just ask that yeah you you know 
people find Doctor Underscore Duck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and and the Foul Hunter, and and we just want to we want to share our that journey that we enjoy so much with with as many folks as we can. So yeah, it'd be cool if everybody caught it. Well, guys, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Good stuff. Thank you for listening to the Big Frig My Way of Life podcast. Big Frig! Please subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or Google Play. For more info, please visit BigFrig.com. 